Good morning. Next Saturday, uh, the 30th, right? The 30th. No, the 29th. I've been off all month. The 29th, next Saturday, from 2 to 5 o'clock at Harmony Elementary School, we're going to be in their parking lot doing a trunk or treat. So we're going to have games and booths set up for the kids. Uh, we're going to ask that if you guys come, uh, decorate your truck, get it set up so that the kids of the neighborhood can kind of come around, do trick or treating with us. Uh, I'm going to ask that you bring candy. And then what we're going to bring is we're going to bring a bunch of like Christian toys and gifts and little things for the kids as well. But really the point of this is just to create a fun, safe environment for kids to come out, trick or treat, and for us to kind of get a little bit better chance to know the community, talk to folks, those kind of things. So we'll be open from 2 to 5. I would ask if you can come meet up at the church first, um, probably around 1 o'clock is when we need to get everything loaded up, head over there and start getting things taken care of. So just next Saturday, from 2 to 5, Harmonium Elementary School, a truck or treat. If you have any questions, please reach out to myself or preferably Diane. Um, and then she will fill you guys in and make sure we have all our booths and things taken care of. Alright, so again, any questions on that, let me know. What I'd ask is if you're thinking about coming, if you want to just meet for like a few 10-15 minutes after service today, let's just get the core group all centered, get a game plan to make sure we're on the same page. So if you can hang out for just a few minutes afterwards, that'd be fantastic. All right, second thing. Um, November 20th, mark that Sunday down. November 20th, we are going to do our Thanksgiving meal. So we'll be doing service together as a, a, a church. So we'll do both uh, Spanish and English service merged together. And then after that, we'll be doing our Thanksgiving meal. So more details on that will come. I just wanted to give you that date so you can, you can mark it down. All right, we good to go? All right, today I get the pleasure of talking to you about the two things that everybody says you should never talk about. God and politics. Let me start before I even jump in with first, that better? Speak up for a little while. So let me start with apologizing. I'm going to apologize because first, I should have had this conversation with you guys a lot earlier this year. The, the election cycle this year has been particularly brutal, has been particularly passionate, and it would have been good if I would have brought you guys some of this word to be centered on a little bit earlier in the season. So I apologize that it's so late, but we're definitely going to talk about it and we're definitely going to look at God's word on this perspective. And so as we look through this, I think there's a couple things that really have made me passionate this season is, one, I can't tell you how many other pastors, not just locally but nationwide, have talked about how we shouldn't even address this topic in church. That really there's nothing profitable that can come from it. Christians are Republicans, Christians are Democrats, Christians are Independents. Having this conversation is just one of these conversations that's going to make people get their feelings hurt, make people angry, make people upset. Well, let me just say to all that, that's hogwash. 
The reality of the world is your God, and our first point is, your God is your God of everything. God is the Lord over everything. There is not a single topic, there is not a single portion of your life that God is not your Lord over. He's the Lord of your marriage, of your parenting, of your finances, of your sex life, of how you eat, of what hobbies you have. There's nothing that you should remove the wisdom of God from. If there is any portion of your life that you are detaching Christ from, that you are detaching the wisdom of God from, then you need to realize that your God is a little G God and not a big G God. And what I mean by that is, is God says, I am your Lord over everything, not some things. The reality of our lives is, is when we want to detach God from certain places, the reason we do that is because we don't want to listen to Him. When we remove God and His wisdom from certain areas of our lives, the only motive is, is because what we're saying is, God, here, either I know better than you, or frankly, I just don't care what you have to say. Now let's be honest, we've all been in that place in our lives. Have you ever purposely not prayed to God about something because you didn't want Him to tell you what to do? Have you ever done that? Now it's hilarious because the reality is He knows that thought. Right? It's not like you can plead ignorance later like, well, you know, gee, man, if I talked to you about that, God, I would have known I shouldn't have done that. He's like, I know that. That's why you didn't talk to me about it because you didn't want to hear what I had to say. There is no secrets to keep from him. And so in everything we need to do, you and I as Christians have a responsibility. Thank you, sir. We have a responsibility to make sure that we are being servants of the Lord, that we are reflecting God's wisdom, and that we are going to him submissively to see what he points to. Now, the hard part of this is that God's word doesn't always specifically talk to everything. So for example, if you have two job offers, guess what? The Bible is not going to have in Luke chapter 6 a verse that says, take this job. Right? If you want to get married, you can't go to the Word and open up the Bible and go, should I marry Debbie? Yes, God's Word says I should. Doesn't get that specific for us. Now, does God's Word give us wisdom? Does it give us guidance? Does it point us in the right direction on topics like money, finances, jobs, and marriage? Absolutely. But a lot of places it's not going to give you specifically what to say or what to do. And that's where you and I have to really have a relationship with God. That's where when we go into the Word, we have to be a people that go into the Word submissively, looking for what the Word says and applying that to our hearts. Not going to the Word, finding what we want to find. It's amazing nowadays how many people decide their own theology, their own logic, their own way of thinking, and then only pay attention to the portions of Scripture that support that. And don't look at the larger context of all of God's Word. So the biggest thing I want to pray for is, is as we're going through this is that one, you have an open and submissive heart to the Word of God. You need to have a relationship with Him where you go to Him and go, Father, truly speak to me. Truly speak to me and what you say, I will listen and I will obey. 
And that's the biggest thing that we have to have in our relationship with God. So let's look at this point. God is Lord over everything, even politics. We go throughout the pages of the Bible. There's a few places where God tells us we need to have a right perspective. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5-6, through 6, he says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. So again, this goes back to a theme we've talked about quite a lot recently. God needs to be your Lord. What's that mean? It means He is God, you are man. That means He is king, you are subject. That means He is Lord, you are servant. That means you go to God not when you're lacking. You go to God not when you're at the end of your rope or the end of your wisdom. You go to God to begin with and go, Father, guide me. Father, instruct me. Father, which way shall I go? We go to Him first and foremost in every aspect of our lives. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you have your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 18. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 18, it warns us of the danger when we stop going to God on certain things. It says here in Deuteronomy, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives your power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So what's God warning here? He's saying, be careful if in any aspect of your life you look at what you have and go, this is because of me. This is because of my knowledge. This is because of my wisdom. This is because of my hard work. This is because of the blood, sweat, and tears that I have poured into this. That's why we're successful. Now, to be honest, that's a hard statement for Americans to take. Why? We talk like this all the time. In fact, most men try to teach their boys to be exactly like that. Your success is built on your back. How hard do you want it? How hard will you go for it? What will you do to be successful? Be proud of what you make. God goes, be careful. Realize everything you have is because of me. The analogy I've always liked to learn is like, do you go up to somebody who's tall and congratulate them? Jesse, great job on being tall, brother. Way to go. You must have worked really hard on that, didn't you? How many hours did you spend focusing on being tall? Right? No, you don't do that because you're like, well, they, they're just tall. That's just how it goes. We understand this with athletic ability for the most part. We understand fast people. Well, they may maximize it are fast. And not many of them did things to make themselves that fast versus us who are that slow. But we do have arrogance in other places in our lives. We tend to elevate intelligence. We tend to elevate speaking ability. We tend to elevate charisma. We tend to elevate humor. And act like these are man-made things that show intelligence. No! Everything you have is a set of gifts that God gave you. Now you may use them to their best, or you may not use them to their best, but at the end of the day, are you responsible for them? No. 
one of the problems we have in America is we look at what we stand now as a nation and go, this is because of us. This is because of how great we are. This is because of our amazing constitution. This is because of the hard work and the hearts and the victories that stand within the willpower of the American people. No, we are where we are because God wanted us to be here. Amen. That's the end of the, the story. We're here where we are because God wanted us to be here. And so we have to acknowledge that we can't let pride rise in up us a place where we go, I control this, God, get away from me. This is my world. God, I'll go to you on Sundays. God, I'll go to you with marriage advice. God, I'll go to you on this. But here, this topic, mine. It's not the right relationship with him. The second thing you need to be aware of is not only is God a God of everything, you are a Christian first and foremost. Understand that. You are a Christian first and foremost. It's not that I'm black and I'm a Christian. It's not that I'm white and I'm a Christian. It's not that I'm Republican and a Christian. It's not that I'm Democrat and I'm a Christian. It's I'm a Christian. Every other thing falls below that. Every other descriptor of who I am is submissive to the fact that I am a Christian. It has to be that way. That's what God wants and desires. Unfortunately, many of us, the reason that 80% of us say we're Christians but it doesn't look like it, it's because what we've done is we've moved Christianity down to a lower tier. We are first a white, male, heterosexual, middle class, Republican Christian. And all those other things first were more important than Christian. That's a problem. When you are a Christian, the thing that defines you is you are sold out for Christ. Everything you have, everything you do, everything you are, submits or is submissive to the nature of Him as your Lord. In Philippians 3.20 it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you citizens of? You are first citizens of heaven above. Your actions and your behaviors should scream more that you are a Christian than they scream that you're an American. And don't get me wrong on this. I love the red, white, and blue. I'm proud of the country we live in. I think we've done many things to make the world great. I think we've done many things to share love throughout this world. I think we're getting worse at it. But I think as a nation, there are absolutely aspects that we should be happy to see our nation has exhibited and displayed. But guess what? I'm not more proud to be an American than I am to be a Christian. Amen. I will always have a citizenship in heaven that matters far more than anything else. Amen. That has to be in our hearts. That has to be a truth that we understand. Look at Galatians 3.28. After bringing his church together, Paul declares, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. One of the most beautiful things that the blood of Christ does is besides washing us clean, it unites us together. That's why the beauty of what churches used to look like was, is you look around a room and go, Man, so many different backgrounds, so many different creeds, so many different races, so many different socioeconomic backgrounds, so many different people all drawn together. How? 
because Christ has brought them here. What I love about our church is you look around. We look different from each other. We look different from each other, and I love that. I hate going to a church where everybody looks the same. Because that's not what the blood of Christ does. It pulls you together. It does not divide you. And so as Christians, we have to acknowledge that we are first and foremost part of that family. Look at Matthew 10.37. Christ warns us about this family we have, that that love for it has to be stronger than anything else. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's a tough verse. I know how much I love my boys. And what God says, you've got to love me more than that. Number one on the list has got to be God. Number one. And so for a lot of people, what I see in this political season, they sure aren't acting like God's number one. They're acting like everything swings on who wins the White House. No. First and foremost, you are a citizen of heaven. As Christians, we need to understand two things here. One, you have a duty, and in that duty, it is to show love in everything. Remember the greatest commandment, Matthew 22. What does he say? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the second is like it, to love your neighbors as yourself. Biggest, saddest thing I've seen in this election is love is nowhere. It's nowhere. It is just venomous, poison, hate, anger, malice, everywhere. What's funny nowadays in politics is we don't even try to hide it anymore. It used to feel like when I was a kid, politicians wanted to let you know, I'm the best candidate for the job. Nowadays, they don't even do that. I'm just better than this loser. That's really the whole political strategy. I'm going to show you the other person's scum because they're scum, you should vote for me. Because I'm the worst or the best of two bad options. And what's sad is, that's their political strategy. It's just about who's worse. So be careful. Because what I see Christians being sucked into is into this political realm and they start to match the emotional levels of the whole culture, which is anger and malice and hate. Remember, in everything you do, you are to show love. Even when you unbelievably disagree with someone else, you should disagree in love. Never should hate spew from your mouth. Because remember, at the end of the day, these politicians and their platforms will fade away. But will not is the kingdom of God. And no matter who's in the White House, you have a mission as Christians to go and share the gospel with others. Well, if you're out there cursing people out because they vote for the wrong candidate, that's not showing the love of Christ. Remember, everything you do, show this love. The second thing to be careful of when you realize that you're a citizen of heaven is, be hopeful in God always. I cannot tell you how many people are acting like if the wrong person wins, it's over. The universe will be doomed. Guys, guess what? God is God. My hope is not in any person. 
My hope is in God. Whoever wins, guess what? God will be just as powerful the day after elections as He was the day before. No candidate is going to weaken Him or make Him less powerful. And so what you have a duty to show is, no matter what happens, I have hope in the future. Why? Because I have hope in Him. My hope comes not from man, it comes from God. In 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do you understand that? Peter's saying the hallmark of a Christian should be when people look at you, one of the things that should stand out is that you are always hopeful. Your hopefulness should be so strong, it's confusing to the people around you. So much so that they ask you, why are you hopeful? And that is when your opportunity strikes to go, why? Because I know a guy named Jesus. And he is my Lord and he is my Savior. He loves me through everything and he stands by my side, whether I am in the green pastures or whether I'm in the valley of the shadow of the death. So no matter what happens, no matter where you put me, I will always be hopeful. Because the Savior is by my side. Be careful as you speak to these topics of the world that you don't blow them up to a level that doesn't fit them. Guess what? It is bad. This political cycle is terrible. I have never struggled with so much who to vote for. But guess what? This isn't even near as bad as it's been for Christians. You do realize we have lived as Christians in a world where they used to put us to death for enjoyment. Right? Imagine today, instead of thousands of people meeting in 16 stadiums to watch men play football, instead those same people were there to watch you get torn to pieces by lions. Guess what? It ain't that bad yet. We have been through worse, we will go through worse, but we will still be hopeful because we have Him. Got to keep things in balance. Have to keep things in balance. Third point. So one, you're a Christian. God is God of everything. Second point, you are a Christian first and foremost. Third, God is almighty no matter what. People, it does not matter who's in the White House. Not from the sense of God's will and God's power. Go throughout the New Testament, and guess what? You will see the church explode. Do you know how many of the emperors, kings, and principalities that were in power were Christians? Zero. Even in the Old Testament, you will constantly see God use men like Nebuchadnezzar, men like Xerxes, men like Pilate, not Christians, not good temperament, brutal, violent men. And God will still use them. Amen. To do what? To elevate His will and to rise up His people. So do not think for a second that if your candidate loses, that that means God will be less effective in this country. God will do what God needs to get done. And he will not be limited by any person or lack of people who are present. God will make his will happen. 
In Job 42.2 it says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Do you truly know that? I mean, I'll be honest. Politics is important. It's more important than sports. It's more important than fast food. It's more important than a lot of the junk we deal with on a regular basis. Why? Because the decisions made at that level do have the ability to impact life and death decisions for millions of people. So it is important. But it is definitely below my King and my Lord. Also, where you as Christians have to be aware of, God... If you've read the Bible, guess what, guys? At the end, it gets ugly. It's funny. Some people act like as the world's getting worse, like it's confusing. Some people act like as things are getting worse, they're like, where's God? How can He allow this to happen? Guys, He told us this was going to happen. He said in the end days, you will see preachers who preach not the Word of God, but instead preach to tickle the ear. They will tell you what entertains you. I see that happening all the time. He says, in the end days, you will see them call right, wrong, and wrong, right. In the end days, you will have your families and the people you love betray you. Why? Because of my name. So guess what? Even as it gets darker, I don't get more afraid. As it gets darker, I go, he told me this would happen. Everything he said is coming true. So don't get scared when things get bad. Realize God warned you of this from way back when. He's told you, wake up, put on your armor, get ready for a fight, and you go out there and you'll be light in that darkness. You know, one of the things I never get worried about is the kingdom works in different ways than we do. So if you would compare American religious freedom laws to China's religious freedom laws, you would find that America has far more leniency for us to go out and share the gospel. Do you know where the church is growing the fastest right now? China. So even though they have a regime in power that oppresses freedom of religion, puts people to death, recently they went through all the churches and cut off the crosses on them. Even though people live in that kind of oppressive environment, what's happening? Every day, thousands are coming to Christ. Now here's what I know. If I ask God, hey, would you rather have a government that says it's for religious liberty or people actually turning to you? I know which one he'd pick. All day long, he will pick the environment where people actually come to his feet. So where I've never lost hope is, who knows? As things get tougher for us out in this world, we may find we actually have a message people pay attention to again. We may find that as the darker the day gets, the brighter our light light shines and attracts people to Christ. Remember, God is not limited. In Proverbs 19.21 it says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The purpose of the Lord will stand. If you ever needed evidence of that, just look at that cross. My favorite thing about the day that our Father dies on that cross is that every single one of His enemies on that day thought they were victorious. The Pharisees stood there thinking, we have won. We have finally silenced our enemy. Satan stood there happy that the Son of God was bleeding and hurting and dying. 
The world stood and mocked him. But you know what God knew? He just won the greatest victory. That's what God can do. Is even when everybody else thinks something's happening, God is making His will come through. God will do that here. No matter who wins, no matter who loses. These are things you have to know in your heart. You have to speak out in your words and have to give you a confidence to be calm and cool as we go through seasons like this. Our God is not limited by man. Last point. We are called by God to respect and submit to the government. We are called to respect and submit to our government. It's a very important thing for us to understand because what I've seen some Christians do is I've seen some Christians divorce themselves from this whole thing. They have just said, you know what? Forget it. All I see is losers. All I see is bad people. I'm done. All I would caution you is if that is the choice that you have made is that you ask yourself, are you showing the respect and submission to the government that God has put in your place? My prayer for you to understand is I'm sure I don't have the same views as all of you do. We may not be voting for the same people. We may not stay on the same places on certain topics. I'm fine with that. But respectfully, what we should be going to is God's Word, listening to what He says, prayerfully talking to Him about His Word, and then from that, making a decision that's submissive to Him. And so where we need to be careful in this country is, is we have become a low-respect culture. 30, 40 years ago, you would not have seen on a regular basis us mocking the most powerful man in the country. Nowadays, we spend more time making fun of the President of the United States than we do respecting their authority. I'll be honest with you, I did not vote for Obama. But I hate that our country thinks it's funny to make fun of him on a regular basis. I hate that our country thinks it's funny to make fun of the two candidates that we have right now. Because guess what? Do you know who put him there? We did. So here we are going to mock them when we're the people who supposedly have the power to run the system. We have to respect this authority because God tells us, understand where that power came from. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, or Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, I'm actually going to start in verse 15. It says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him, this is Jesus in his words, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and that you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Don't you love that entry? What a great way to set up their conversation. They go in, they go with political Romans, who are not Christians, they go to Jesus and go, we know you are wise and holy and righteous. We know that you will say whatever you believe God wants you to say because you don't care about hurting people's feelings. Which is hilarious because they would never say those things about him except in a setting like this. And then they ask him this. Tell us then what you think. It, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. 
And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. What Jesus was trying to point out is, guys, you need to understand there are some things that are of this world. And in those things, you be submissive and you treat them with respect. We need to understand our God has put in certain people in positions of power and authority to accomplish His will. And only when those authorities are asking us to betray our God do we stand against them. Understand that the only time that you are given permission by God to go against your government is when your government asks you to betray God. If they haven't asked you to do that yet, then you are not empowered by God to obediently disobey. With your Bibles, flip a few pages forward to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. What's God saying? He's saying, I am Lord of everything. There is nothing that is happening in your world that is an accident. There is nothing that is happening in your world that's a mistake. Everything that is happening is part of God's will. And as Christians, we find hope in that. We find comfort in that. And because of that, we respect the authority that God has placed over us. You have a duty to be good citizens. Always acknowledging that that citizenship here in this country falls below your citizenship in heaven. I'm going to leave you with two things as I wrap up. One, my plan for the rest of the series. We're going to cover abortion next week. We're going to cover immigration the week after that. And after that, we're going to cover a divided house. That final week will be after the election, so we'll already know who is won or who is lost. Parents, I know we've got some younger kids in here. I know we normally ask that if they're in fourth grade or above, they be in service. Since next week's topic is abortion, if you do not feel comfortable with your children being in here, they are by all means free to go into Children's Church next week. I will not be unbelievably graphic, 
but just due to the nature of the topic, I feel it's fair to let you guys know that's what we're discussing. And for you as a parent to plan in accordance with that and make decisions that you feel are proper. You as a parent have the right to decide when you want to have those conversations with your children. All right? My goal as we go through these is for us to look at God's word about these topics and to truly let that wisdom guide us. What today was is to set the table. To remember, as we talk about all of these topics, we remember God is God of everything. I am a citizen of heaven first and foremost. My God will not be limited by the actions of man. He's not limited by Republican or Democrat. He is God and he will not be stopped. And lastly, I as a Christian, because I submit to God, in obedience, submit to this government. Why? It's what my Savior has asked me to do. And not until the day that they ask me to betray Him will I stand against them. These are all clear instructions from God's Word that we need to prayerfully think about and acknowledge as we go out. The last two things I'd give you is just remember, please, show love in these conversations. I know you're talking about them with your friends. I know you're talking them with your family. I know you're sharing them on Facebook. Show love. The most powerful thing we get to do as Christians is to disagree with love. Because it's so easy to disagree with hate. But when you can show, even when you disagree with somebody, that you still love them, that hits people's hearts. So remember, wherever you stand on these things, as you have these conversations, let it always be in the tone of love and respect. Second, no matter who remembers or who wins, this should be the prayer of our hearts. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The reason some of us have gotten so emotional about politics is that we're denying what the real problem of America is. The real problem with America has nothing to do with immigration policy, has nothing to do with racism, has nothing to do with our economic stance. The problem in our country is sin. It is rampant sin that in many places we call right and we glorify. Whoever wins, we have a lot of healing that needs to be done in this country. Whoever wins, we still, as the kingdom of God, have a responsibility to go out into this hurting country and to share the love, the peace, and strength that can only come from Christ. No president will heal this land. Only the love of God can do that. And you, as Christians, you have the glorious honor to be part of His army that gets to go outside these walls and share that love with people. You get to be that love in the midst of hate. You get to be that light in the darkness. Cherish that. Take up that duty and go fight the good fight. Show people they don't have to put their hope in politics. They can put their hope into a God who will cherish it. A God that deserves it. A God that will not lie to them. A God that will not betray them. A God that they will always be proud they stood by. Be that bearer of truth. 
Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, we submit to you. We submit to you in everything, God. I pray as we sit here and as we go to you in prayer, Lord, that you will reveal to us anything in our hearts that we haven't turned over to you. If there's any part of our lives, Lord, where we're still acting like we are king, please show that to us. Father, our prayer and our desire is that you're Lord over every aspect of our lives. And that because of that, Father, we know we always have your love and we always have hope. I pray, Father, that you will shape this church into an instrument of comfort, into an instrument of wisdom, into an instrument of love. So as the world around us seems to go crazy, we, Father, will be beacons of hope and light, always pointing people to you. Father, we're so thankful to live in a nation that has its many problems, but also still it gives us the freedom to come and worship you out in the open. Father, thank you for blessing us with this freedom that we so often take for granted. Father, we love you. We will honor you. And in your son's name we pray. Amen.